really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more all about the world of rugby. As always, I am your host. My name is David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe. If you'd like to get in touch, well, I would love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter. I'm at of Scrum. I'm on Instagram at the Scrum of the Earth podcast. And you can always just drop me an email at the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. So as you have no doubt surmised by now, this is not your regular weekly episode, but is in fact yet another bonus episode. Today, I am ecstatic to reintroduce a fantastic returning guest, Mr. Scott Matthew, head coach for my beloved New England Free Jacks. Coach, welcome back to the Scrum of the Earth. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, how's it going, Dave? Uh, it's great to be here. Um, good to connect with you again. And yeah, all, all's good. All's, uh, all's going quite well. We've just come out of a bar week, so um, yeah, feeling being slightly more refreshed than usual. <laughs> I actually dropped the ball. We were supposed to talk yeah, a, a, a week ago, and I totally bungled it. Uh, it's been a, a crazy couple of weeks here at the Scrum of the Earth, but we're, we're okay now, and I'm just really happy to see you. No, all good, man. I think that was both of our, both of our errors, eh? <laughs> both really <laughs> We can call it co-bungled. Yeah. So, obviously, I've asked you back here to talk about one thing primarily, and that is, of course, course the curry cup there are four rounds left who do you see coming out of this cup no I'm just, I'm just kidding the curry cup is actually one of like the three worldwide competitions that i actually don't actively watch so i probably wouldn't know where to start with that one just support the greek quiz that's all you need to know eh? <laughs> well i mean to be fair i i took a look I glanced at the league table. It, it looks like it's a really strong competition this year. You've got three teams who are all tied at seven and three. York Greek was, uh, they're smack dab on five and five. Only one team looks really out of it. The Griffins are one and nine at this stage. Yeah, it's very tight this year. Uh, I think um, a bit quite, quite interesting towards the back end because I think a couple of the URC players will come into the big teams. So it's, 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 it's bound to be a, a good finish to the competition now. Eh? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. There's Oh, wow. That almost seems unfair. <laughs> so, my friend, it's been 596 days since we last sat down to chat rugby. A lot of, a lot of stuff has happened in that time. I want to start by circling back on some of the things we talked about last time just to get a, a few updates. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, perfect. Good. So I just re-listened to that very episode. It was really good. Like you were just such a great guest. So again, thanks for coming back. When we last spoke, you you and I talked about your playing career. We talked about your time at Leeds Carnegie. By the way, they're now called the Leeds Tykes. Very odd name. Had you had you spotted that? Yes, they were actually called the Leeds Tykes before they were called Leeds Carnegie. Right. Uh, and yeah, and so they've gone back to that now. So um, I, I, I did. I was aware of that. I'm on one of the WhatsApp groups from all the Leeds boys from back in the day. So um, oh. they kind of keep us abreast of the situation of where, where they're at and what's happening. And oh, yeah, it's pretty. So cool. for for me, Tyke just means small child. Um, so I went and looked it up, and I found 
what they referred to as a, quote, dated, dated British usage, unquote, where a tyke is an unpleasant or coarse man. Do you think that's what they're going for right now? <laughs> I don't know. What, what I didn't even know what it meant at the time. So I was, uh, yeah. And then it made it Leeds Carnegie. And I was like, well, what's that? And like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Obviously also after, discovered that it was because it was connected to the Carnegie, I guess, Institute for like, yes. um, yeah, physical education and stuff. Interesting. Um, Carnegie, yeah. We also talked about your family's then imminent move to the United States. How did that go? How are they? Are they enjoying life in New England? And how is the little one? Yeah, so it's 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 been a it's been a hell of a ride. I think initially it was quite uh, it's quite tough because our furniture only arrived about five months or four months after we got here. So, <laughs> well, that's that, easy with a little baby, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the missus was very pleased about that. Um, but we may do. Uh, yeah, so I, I think things have just got a lot easier since then. You know, we've been back and back home for a break and come over. We've had the my folks out. I've had you know Lee's Lee's parent um, uh, mom has come out twice. Her sister's oh, coming nice. out pretty soon. So everyone's been over and experienced the what the best of Boston, I guess. Um, Jackson's 18 months now, so he is uh, running around and causing chaos. Uh, he's got a bit of a character now, so that's great. Um, wow. Yeah. So Jackson has become eh? such a popular name. I never knew any Jacksons growing up, and my son is friends with three of them. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, so I was obviously writing a trend of, of a name trend that was going down. <laughs> <laughs> So in my notes, I, I, I put down for myself, of course, you know, I asked you if, if you're enjoying life in New England. Of course, nobody actually enjoys life in New England. We just kind of tolerate it and then tell everyone else that they don't know what they're missing, right? Oh, man, I, I, like, I, we definitely enjoy it. I, I think, I think the, the, the winter can get a bit long, I guess, but there are some awesome parts to it. I mean, the snow is amazing. Um, getting out and about, we went uh, snowboarding up in new hampshire oh. uh, when it was yeah so that was really cool and but it really is fascinating the, and the fall we had a great the fall was amazing um but we, it's really awesome to see how the, how the city changes though in summer isn't it it just turns into a whole different place so that's great we we're kind of interested in introducing jack to the beach now so he's he's loving the weather getting his feet in the water and running around there so that gives us some, nice. some activities to do uh, and you're in quincy so you're right there on the south shore that's great yeah, oh, I mean, all the South Shore beaches are, are, are. We've just we've been kind of like going to each one and exploring pretty much all the way down there to Duxbury and Marshfield and and having a look at all the different type of beaches. And he doesn't mind as long as there's sand and and, and waves. He's in the water. He's into it. Eh? If you go a little further past like Hull, there's a there's a place called the World's End, which is some sort of like nature okay. preserve, and it's just a it's a beautiful spot. It's exactly what you'd think. There's nothing there. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll check that out. Eh? So, a couple of follow ups about what we talked about last time. You know, as we've already kind of alluded to, we were we were talking about things that you were looking forward to experiencing for yourself here in New England. You mentioned things like sightseeing in Vermont and Maine, eating a lobster roll, a few other things. Like, how has that gone? Have you checked off everything on your New England bucket list? Man, we've been pretty, um, like we've gotten out, got, gotten about uh, in New England a lot. Eh? Like I've done, with, especially with my folks came out and Leah and I, we've got friends up in uh, Bangor. So we've, we've been all the way up to oh. Maine twice 
we've um, up to the top of it there. We've been to Bar Harbor and and down the coast to Kenny Bunk and Agunquit and spent some time in York, in York Beach and yeah, man. And and then we've done the so I said we've done the New Hampshire. We we're on the Cog Railway up there and we've been I think Mount Cranmore. I think we went we went snowboarding up wow. there. We've been been through Vermont. We've been twice to Stowe. We've been all the way down to Burlington on Lake Champlain there, and experienced got through all the breweries and 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 up having great RPAs and. Uh, yeah, I recall you had like an IPA tour. You were testing tasting all kinds of local brews. Uh like Mark Rogers got me onto it, man. I was like, I, when you've just had lager, your life, you, you first time you have an RPA, it's like oh, it's, it's 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 something very different. Mm. But now, I can't have a lager anymore. So I, I literally kind of taste like water. So it's it's just uh, I'm fully into the RPAs in New England RPAs. By the way, the hazier the better. Oh, and, um, yeah. So I just hunt down. Like we've got the Vitamin C Brewery that's uh, Dino and the guys that sponsor the Free Jackson at every yep. event. I mean, I love their stuff. I mean, I can't get enough of what he's doing of, of, of all the beers that he produces there. Um, so yeah, man, I, I tend to pick up a few, few beers for him uh, every once in a while and make sure the, the fridge is loaded. But yeah, to answer the question, we've been around, man. We so we've done th those three. I, I probably haven't explored uh, Connecticut and um, that's okay. Uh, Rhode Island that much, but uh, and then Massachusetts. We the only place I haven't been to Massachusetts really is the Berkshires. So that's on the that's on the on the, oh. on, the, on the list. But we went nice. down to Cape Cod and all the rest of it. Eh? So yeah, we've really done a lot of exploring around New England. That's that's why I can I can generally say it's such a beautiful part of the world, man. So uh, Mike Rogers, he was on the show a, a few months ago. He was awesome. Um, if he's an IPA aficionado, did he give you the whole history, like why the style is that way, why it's so hoppy and and so you know, so singular? He might have told me, but it was probably after about five of them, so I've probably forgotten that. <laughs> the whole thing is about. Uh, like, of course, England, when, you know, during the, the days of the Raj, they had soldiers stationed throughout India. They wanted to send beer to the soldiers, but there was no refrigeration. So hops are a natural preservative. So the beer wouldn't go bad if it was super hoppy. And so all these soldiers who spend this huge chunk of time of their lives in India, they go back to England and they're like, where's that beer that I've gotten used to and I'm used to enjoying. So it became a, a you know, legit style after that. I think it's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. No, good stuff. Hopefully they last a bit longer in my fridge, but uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> so you almost started to mention it. So last time we talked, you mentioned your dad was a fan of the history of this region and had always wanted to come sort of experience the famous fall foliage. Have you managed mm. to make that happen for him? We did. Um, so they came last fall, uh, which was, it was really, it was special because we caught the, the foliage at like the perfect time. I mean, so we went up, up through, through New Hampshire, uh, man, we went all over there. We went and then we through to Stowe and obviously around Vermont, but, um, yeah, we caught all the colors. Eh? We just got everything like the, the, the harsh reds to the yellows to the, I mean, we just got it all. And, um, so we spent like a good three, four days up there cruising around and, and checking things out. So yeah, he had a great time. Obviously we went down to New York too, um, which my mom loves my dad, not so much. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we did the whole, we did the whole God thing. Bless so, yeah. So he really enjoyed it. I mean, they went and dumped the tea in the Harbor. We took them down to Plymouth and, and did the, all the settlers and stuff like that. And oh, wow. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, so he, he loved the day. Like it, it was, it was it's obviously a, it was a great holiday for him and something that he's always wanted to do. So I was glad I glad I could be a part of that. Day. That's so great. Like uh, I know travel, especially from South Africa, it was really tight there for a, a good mm. long while there. So that's great to know. No, awesome. So amazingly, another one of the things we talked about last time was the then recently concluded British and Irish Lions tour to South Africa. Doesn't that feel like it was like five years ago rather than a year and a half? It does, but the the, the victory always lasts forever. So it <laughs> so really pleased about that. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the very first things I asked you about last time was me basically wondering if it was your intent to stick around long enough to really build something here. And you said, yeah, that, that was a big part of your plan. From where I said, it looks like that's exactly what you've done and what you're continuing to do. Can you talk a bit about, you know, the culture of this team and some of the ways you, you've created these sort of foundational blocks? Yeah, I think, um, I think, think before we started, like, you know, it was, it, was it was about getting the right team together. I think that was the important part. I think um, uh, TK and I re- obviously work work really well together, and we we've kind of pieced this thing together from the start, which has been really awesome. Um, we inherited a really good uh, base, so I think Ryan mm. Martin had done a great job the, uh, the year before and uh, put things together. But I think we were we were fortunate enough to um, have more. Uh, you know, as as each year goes by, you get Generally, you get more things to use. You get better facilities, or better this, or better that, or maybe a bit more in the cap space, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, uh, you know, I think that's where it started. Then having, you know, making sure we had the right uh, coaching staff come on board. And I think that uh, that um, acquisition of of Mark Rogers was, you know, was great conversation between us. Really uh, aligned on how we play the game, on what we want to achieve. So that was really an inspired uh, decision, and he's done a fantastic job. Um, yeah, and then putting a plan together. Look, I, I think it was always a team's always got to be aligned to um, your character, I guess, or, or, or my character. You know, otherwise it's never never the right fit. And I really felt it was a good fit because you know the, the values here are always humble, hardworking, mm. you know, hungry, fun. You know, so I think those are things that really I felt connected to, which I can then roll out what I'm about. You know, which is competition player focused you know efforts measured you know that type of stuff um so it was always going to be a process i think the first year for us was always about uh, i think i mentioned a few times now really being effective um so quite conservative but really effective in, in everything that we do i wanted obviously to have apply a lot of pressure on the ball with with our line speed and kicking game we kicked a lot we kicked a lot more than any other team and i think by the end of the competition teams are trying to do more of that. And I think this year you've seen also wow. a lot more kicking kicking in the in the league um because of that. And I, and I think we've we, we we kind of fell short because of um probably not enough variation in our game, but uh, you know that's that's where we were at, you know. So I think the transition to this year was obviously continued to build in our staff, which I think we've done a fantastic job with uh, oh yes you know Will Webster coming in, George Petrakis, uh Coming in, Ricky Persico. We got. You've just got more guys and quality humans that are doing a fantastic job and adding to the to that culture and that uh, those same concepts of competition, same uh, same mentality around efforts and 
and working hard and and being hungry, being humble, you know. Um, yeah, so that so I think sorry, that's so that's that's really what it's about. You know, we 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 make sure we get the right staff together. We make sure that we've got the right players that that embody those values too, um, and we kind of align everything to to those values. I think the play, the rugby style of playing, you know, we have the same game model that we play. We're just adding a little bit, a little layer by layer each each year to make us uh, uh, a bit more progressive and have a bit more variation in our game plan. Um, yeah. So when we talked last, you specifically said, you know, a big part of building a culture is the ability to retain players. Between last year and this one, we've had a lot of changes, but we also as you kind of already said, like we have a pretty good core group sticking around. How do you feel about, you know, right now, your ability to keep players in the the way the MLR is structured right now? It's tough. You know, it's tough. Look, it was never our intention to, to, to lose so many players, you know, um, I think there were only a, probably only a handful that uh, were decisions we actually made. The rest were kind of taken out of our hands through yeah. uh, long, long-term injury or, Going to play at at a higher in a, in a higher in a, in a league of with a higher league with more money whatever sure. it is, um, so I think on, on one end we were really ne- like the parts of us are quite nervous going into the season because as much as we have game model and we had a core group of guys I think which is really key, we we knew that there would be some growing pains in terms of getting those new boys on board with what we're doing and there's a process and there's a time there's time that that takes you know to get that that working mm. so at the beginning of the season we saw there was there was there was quite a bit of time to get those players up to speed with how we do things before i think we found a bit of a groove um so thankfully we've come, come through that and we've come out of that and i think everyone's adapted really well um yeah and i'm now forgotten your question it was something to do with, with that. <laughs> i was just asking about the ability to retain players it, it's funny yeah, though, so, like, so, so it's, it's you mentioned one. like the the core like josh larson i i've always called him the eternal captain it, hmm. really tough loss for us this year but you have him as this sort of cornerstone and then you brought in jason potras who immediately immediately worked his way right in fell into the culture hmm. has been producing for us he, i think he played 79 minutes like his first game it's been so good. Um, is that is that luck? Is that TK and your ability to find the right players? How, how has that come about? Yeah, so um, I think just going back, so it is difficult because of the seventh so to retain players because of the seventh month season. Um, that's quite hard. So you kind of limited to um, if you're looking at foreign players, you're probably limited more to New Zealand guys and guys that have uh, because it, it falls in line with the NPC. Right. So they can't be playing super rugby, just the NPC, then you can kind of tie them in. Um, if they play really well, then they go to super rugby, then then you lose them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there's always a trade-off. And uh, so it's the Saffron guys, the guys that have dropped out of the system because now you'll see a curry cup at the same time. So, and it coincides with MLR. So you lose that base of players. So you just got to be, it's, it's it's not easy. Um, but you, you hope that, uh, that the more the league grows, they add an extra month on every time and you, you can you can start to retain players a bit more. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think just with, in terms of, um, you know, guys adapting and, and, and falling in, I think, you know, TK and, and all the guys in the, the back room there do a fantastic job of onboarding a lot of these players. So, um, you know, just from when they arrive, they, 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 there's no, a lot of their questions have been answered. They, 
they take, they pretty much picked up, they take into their place, their stuff is sorted. Within the first week, we put aside a lot of time pretty much just to get all things sorted. Social securities, bank accounts, all these mm. things that provide extra stress and anxiety, you know, when, you, when you're moving. Um, so we try and do a lot of work in getting all that sorted. So to make that transition really comfortable. Um, and then you've got the rugby side of things where the guys are getting, uh, you know, I think that the, a big thing we did this year, you know, we, we obviously train really hard and we work hard at that, but there's, there's also a process of transition from, from places where potentially they have, they've had already three months since they last played rugby or been in a rugby environment, the NPC, if, if we're talking about. So we can't just elevate their training to a certain level. You know, we've got to gradually increase. They're going from grass to to, to turf. So we've got to be, be aware mm. of that and the implication. So I think there's just a lot of care that goes into um, just the welfare of the guys coming in. And, you know, and that's both from a physical and a, um, a personal level, you know. And I think that in itself um, provides the... the um, the comfortability in in the culture and the players that are coming in that have been here before are really good at making those guys feel welcome and you know they they in houses a lot of them are in shared housing and stuff like that so there's definitely a good a good feel to it and there's there's guys to mentor other guys and help guys through and you know take them out and what have you so i think we've got a good thing going um so and i think it's a it's a really easy environment to fit into i think if, if you if you're not if you're not the right guy for the environment it it shows very quickly. Oh, okay. It sticks, I mean, it sticks the, out. The know, Dorchester room. room is a great example of what you're talking about, I think, too. <laughs> yeah, the, those boys have got have got things going on. Well, I'm still waiting for my invite, though, eh? so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> so based on some of the things we talked about last time, I'm just wondering about, you know, you shared so many great insights about your personal coaching philosophy, and I'm just curious about how the reality has matched the expectations you had um, which was, of course, before you even arrived in Massachusetts. So, for example, between then and now, you've won yourself a Coach of the Year award. You led your team to the best record in the league, complete with an MVP performance from one of your players. If I had told you when we talked last that those things were going to be true, way back in – this was September of 2021, what do you think you would have said then? Um. Uh. Yeah, I guess I would have, uh, man, I, I would have been pleased. I, I would have hoped for a trophy with it to go alongside it if, if you had told me all those things. <laughs> but um, Coach of the know, Year, so that's I'm, a trophy, right? Is there, do they uh, give you a plaque or something? Uh, oh, man, it's all it's all good. I mean, I'm not really like, those things, it's, they're great add-ons, bro. But I, like, I just, I, I just enjoy the, the day-to-day stuff. I enjoy each match, you know. I, I really am. I'm, I'm, I struggle to, um, I guess, to enjoy uh, those type of things because I'm always thinking about the next, the next game, and oh, geez, I just want to win this one, you know. That that's all that's mm. important for me. Or the next game, then the next week, I'm like, ah, this one, ah, this is the one I want, you know. So, um, it's great at the end of the season to reflect and go, that was awesome and stuff, um, and you have a few beers and you enjoy it, and I think you you work with the greatest with the greatest sense of fulfillment, I guess, um, but. Uh, I'm just always on to the next thing. Eh? And, and, and yeah. If there was a competition for a most competitive person, would you enter that contest and try to win? <laughs> I mean, I, I like the, I think it's, it's what I enjoy about the environment that we've got is that 
You know, Mark Rogers is no different to me. Will Webster is no different. The, the, these guys, we're all competitors, you know, and we try to sign players that that are exactly that too. I mean, gee, we've got we've got these cricket stumps up in the in the in the gym. You know, we pull out all the time, and we've got continuous games going on when the guys have got ten minutes here and there to relax, nice. or there's table tennis going on and. Is, so uh, has the table tennis been set up? Because Mike Rogers basically told me that you were afraid to set it back up this year. No, it's been it's been brought down. It is there. It is it is on the go. Um, yeah. So there's just a, there's there's tons of these competitions happening all the time, and I think it's important because I was pitching the other day, and you know, competition's a great thing. It's, it's when you have a good squad, uh, you have natural competition. Um, but what competition does bring is is quite a bit of anxiety because if you're anything like me, when I go into work, I want I will like when I train, it's it's high competitive competition. I'm putting myself, you know, you're stressing yourself to the max because you want to win and you want to perform and you want to and you're going at it with someone who equally wants that wants to get the same same reward. Um, so it's important that if we want to that high competition environment, but we also want to reduce the anxiety of the environment, that you've got to bring another set of competition, which is all the fun stuff, which is kind of cuts the, the tension of all that, but it's oh, still okay. delivering, but it still delivers what you want. You know what I mean? It still creates and fosters yeah, yeah. competition. And and that's why we have our little mini teams going and those, they compete against each other on, on every week and accumulate points and there's prizes for all that stuff. So oh, cool. the whole time we, we're just building a real culture of competition. I think and so that's sometimes, I guess, where, where, where you can go wrong is that, you can't say, you know, well, we're competition focused or, we, or sorry, we people focused or we competition driven. Uh, if you don't create an environment that has that as its as its key kind of kind of area, you know, um, and and I guess yeah. So we we just want to be reflect that you know what we say is you know we're going to put ourselves into that and make sure that we build that out as best as possible because that's ultimately who we are. Is there such a thing as too much competition or is that a ridiculous concept? No, I, I don't think so. I think there's, uh, I think there's different types of it, but uh, I think you can get the fun out of it. I think you can get the energy out of it. You can, it creates, it creates uh, edge. There's just a lot of so much stuff that it brings to the party. I think you, but you just got to access all, all those types of different parts of it, I guess, to make it really effective. So you and I talked a lot about South African rugby and the Springboks quite a bit too. One of your quotes from last time we talked was, quote, we're a strange beast, South Africa. We need to play with raw emotion, unquote. Is that something you try to tap into with the Free Jacks? How is How important is it to be not just mentally right, but emotionally right? And how do you get players into that space? Yeah, so uh, definitely. I mean, I think there's... There's, there's two parts to that. Uh, I think there's a, there's a, there's a balance, I, I guess, but the emotion has to has to be has to be on uh, slightly on edge, but it can't go over. And I guess because when it does go over, then you lose accuracy, you mm. lose detail, you lose accuracy. Um, and we've learned that lesson a lot. I think we've there's been times when we've dropped in a theme for the week where we just like dial up the the emotion and dial up the you know because you want a physical um output um, and it's probably 
gone over the top and we end up all of a sudden we got cards raining down um <laughs> we've but, seen a few um, cards this year <laughs> yeah um but that's you know we live we live on the edge of that um because we, we do strong it, it is something that we we do want but I, I definitely think there's there's a, there's a line and there's there's a there's a tension there that needs to be found um yeah so again, talking about the box, describing a test match against the All Blacks, you said, we made them make a lot of errors. And I realized what I should have asked at the time was, how? How do you make a, the other team make mistakes? And again, is that something you try to do with the Free Jacks? Yeah, definitely. It's a, a, a whole game model is built around that, you know, is applying pressure and creating pressure because pressure obviously um creates turnovers or creates mistakes so if you come with a lot of line speed you're going to apply pressure to the opposition's handling mobility so you could see knock-ons force knock-ons if you apply pressure through your kicking game let's say you go contest the balls you're going to apply pressure with the with the with the with the kick contest or you're going to apply pressure with the kick chase if those are done really well then what's going to happen is that you're going to get poor kicks back from the opposition then you can counterattack. Um, if uh, you apply really good pressure at line-out time, you can create poor ball. Poor ball for the opposition means they might kick it away or they might force a pass that they shouldn't or you win the ball and then you've got a turnover. You know, If you apply pressure at the breakdown, you're gonna, you could potentially win a turnover, uh, a turnover, which is obviously the attack that you want. So a lot of our game and uh, you know has been that and just finding out where those pressure points are on teams and where we can, uh, you know, hone, you know, really hone in on, on on what's key for that game and what's you know each game. You know, oh, well, that's a great lead to a, a couple of questions I have in a bit. But just just to stick with the Springboks for a minute, um, last time you told me, you mentioned casually that they don't have a great record against Australia. I had no idea. So it made me curious. I looked it up and sure enough, Australia Bok- away. Yeah. Australia yeah. Yeah. When the box play them story. in Australia, the Wallabies are 28 and 13 with two draws. That's an unbelievable record against the Springboks. Um, by way of explanation, you said they tend to see Australia as inferior physically. So they drop their energy when they play them. Have you found anything similar here in the, the MLR? Have there been games uh, uh, to equate it to us when you know we were heavy favorites, but we just didn't really show up. How do you combat that kind of thing? How do you maintain that edge when everyone thinks that you're just going to win easily? Sorry, my cat has decided to. When he seems to have a knack of doing this uh, when I'm on podcasts or things like this, he wants to get involved. <laughs> um, look, I think it's a uh, look. I think it's that that statement I made was also it's it's partly true. I do believe it. Um, but I also think I'm being a bit unfair towards the uh, my Australian counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's because uh, um, it's notorious that no one likes an Aussie except the Aussies. But uh, <laughs> that's a joke. that is a joke because we've got two Aussies now in our in our program, and they're great. Both great. I just found the title lads. for this episode. So uh, they're proving me wrong. One by one, the Aussies are proving me wrong. I've only, I've only, I only got two, so it's it's 100% strike right now. But I think also, the, I think on that too, the Australians just play a game that they're, they're really sophisticated with their ball ability with ball in hand. 
um, which can obviously put uh, our defense and stuff under pressure a lot better than most teams can. Um, mm. So that's why I think the, away from home, they just tend to struggle a little bit with that. Um, well, this is w- this is way off topic, but I think Eddie Jones is going to be really good for the Wallabies, at least for a couple of years. I I think we yeah. can expect some fireworks out of the Wallabies. Well, they're gonna they're gonna them and England are both gonna look good in the World Cup because they got no one else to play except them except themselves. So while everyone else is smashing them smashing out on the other side, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, yeah. So uh, your complacency is look, man. I. I I think I take pride and 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 I know for the rest of the team too. We're really highly highly sensitive towards that. Uh, it's something I don't I really don't enjoy. Um, I don't like seeing and and so I'm probably more highly sensitive to complacency than anything else. Uh, so and, and uh, you know as I was saying to you before, like I'm 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 a big believer in like the game's done. What's next? It's the next game. Um, mm. And try and try not look ahead at all because I just don't think it matters really. You know, it's it's, it's what's presented to you that week. Um, yeah. Well, so, uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, so about about really, get, so, I'm about to get to that very thing. That's great. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, I, if I look at uh, you know our losses over the, to- the time, I think there has been games. I think it's really difficult to uh, to sustain winning runs and stuff. I think it's not an easy easy, easy thing to do because. I think play, players and, and personnel and staff naturally, you know, you started to, to rest up. And you think, oh, no, we've got that covered. And you, and you start to be, you just have some blind, you just blind spots are created, you know, because you just can't dial up the, the tension and the, the edge that you need sometimes when you win, there's a bit more pressure. Um, but when you start winning, you know, you've got to really generate that yourself. You know, you're going to, you're going you're to really rely on your own intrinsic, you know, will to succeed and intrinsic want to perform and to be on on point and on edge each edge each, each week in a good way you know what i mean and sometimes that, that gets the better of us and we we just get a little bit um and it's normal and you gotta, you gotta, that's why it's so important to be uh highly aware and highly sensitive to those things you know um, yeah it's amazing that you sort of teed that up for me because in terms of of like style of play I, I mean, I've I've spent a lot of time here on this very show talking about how one of my favorite things about your coaching style is the fact that you often come up with very different game plans on a week-to-week basis. When I went and listened back to our conversation, I, I discovered that you had said you were, quote, a game-to-game guy, unquote, which made me feel pretty smart. And uh, hmm. so how do you get your players to 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 be dynamic and adaptable in that way. How do you imprint that, that philosophy on a clubhouse? I think, look, man, I, I think if the culture is right and you've got, and you've got a, a, a track record with them. So when you, when you as a team do well playing a certain way, then you build confidence, the players gain confidence from that. When they start to be part of that process of building and, 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 um, growing the program when they are having influence over what we're doing on attack, what, how we manipulating their attack, you know, what we're doing on the kicking game, when they feed into that and they're growing this thing, you know, organically, then um, it's, then it becomes pretty easy. Then it's just a case Mm. of, well, 
you chat to the leadership team and they're like, this is where, where we're at. I think this needs to be a, a big thing this week. And we, we take that, we, we build out a theme for the week and we, you know, we try and isolate the key areas of what's going to be important for, for us to win that game. Uh, yeah. And uh, look, I, the, the key principles of our game, the key game model, the key game plan, what we do never changes. That's what, who we are. Um, it's just, Little we might we tinker around with our kicking game, depending on on our strengths versus those, their strengths. We tinker around with the attack and and what we want to little tweaks on on special players you want to throw in or you know what I mean. So the, those are little things that get changed. And, they, and sometimes when you're watching, it can appear like oh they're playing a bit different today, um, but it's just it's just slight nuances. You know we don't they very seldom go away from from who who we are. It just might appear like that, you know what I mean? Because you know we've got one or two little trick plays around the corner. Around the corner, we, <laughs> we we might hold on to the ball a little bit more in certain areas. You know, that's that's those are just little tweaks, I guess. So you also had talked about the importance of the set piece. At one point, you said that if a team can dominate in the set piece areas, they should be winning every single game. Last year, one of the only things that Three Jacks kind of struggled with was our lineout. How important has it been to sort of rectify that this season? What are you and the other coaches doing differently to get better results out of that set piece? Yeah, so I, th- I think I think what it's, it's mostly right. You know, I, I, it just gives you such a platform to be able to uh, get out of get out of trouble you know, or to convert points, you know, you can really force your will upon teams. So I think what we've seen this year we've, uh, with the acquisitions we've had, uh, you know, we've really seen a growth in our scrum, which has been great. I think last year we were really stable in the scrum. This year we actually becoming dominant in the scrum. Mm. Um, and we've had some really good, like really quality players to step up and, and put their hand up. I think Will, Will's done a great job, uh, Will Webster, in, um, in really uh you know, looking off that group and getting the best out of them, and I, th- I think they've they've done great with the scrum. I think the the lineout we've, um, you know, we obviously lost Josh Larson, but you know these other guys like Connor Keys and these guys have stepped up, and I think they find that they're finding a bit of groove. I think uh, which has been great. You know, we win, we're winning winning a lot of ball there. I think our key area now we just want to get our we're going to get some more mall tries. I think okay, this is probably a, an area that we can improve. But we are there is there's growth. You know, we are getting better at stopping malls. We um, we just we I guess we just need to to, to score a few more mall tries. But there's definitely growth there. We're seeing some progress there, which has been great. And I think if we can, we seem to be quite a um, a hot and cold team when it comes to our lineups sometimes we can take a run and we just and then we'd have like these little two or three uh lineups in a row in a game where we kind of dip so it's just about getting that consistency um and that's important that's important in the reps who do we're very thorough i think will's done a really good job in in detailing that to the guys and just going through the process of making sure that each week we've got the right menu each week we we know our movements and how we're going to go through, go through that. And I think as these players uh, grow in their role of callers and grow in their role of, 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 of being in the lineup and understanding each other in that space and the hookers finding that those guys, you should, we should get continue to get more improvement. Eh? 
one of my favorite quotes from our last talk was when you said, as a coach, you try to help the players understand what's important about consistency, effort, attitude, and character. That really reminded me of a Bill Belichick quote, which was, talent gives you your floor and character gives you your ceiling. Do you agree with that? And can you talk about the role that character plays in our squad right now? Oh, immensely. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's few coaches that would disagree with that, you know. Um, I've just, you know, you, you look at players like like Mitch Wilson, for example. Um, talented player. So good. Um, is, he the, is he the most talented? No. Um, but the work he puts in to ensure that he is operating at an optimum level and international quality level is just through his own own uh, what do you call it? application of his craft. You know, just really working mm. hard. He's a, he's a great human, um, good leader. You know, so the more players like that you have, and the more players like that you recruit, and the more um, the more players you recruit, what happens is it's, it's just a self perpetuating cycle. You know, those players influence the younger players in the environment, um, and it just creates itself and recreates itself over and over again because you just got really good leadership you've got guys who are um showing you know delivering the standard every day and so the rest of the squad just um goes, goes with that you know and so you're driving all these really good habits and you you know i mean that's great you know, but it starts with getting the right guys in the room and uh, really having a a culture that where they feel comfortable and they, they, they feel like they, that there's support for them, that they are being grown, that they're being, being challenged and uh, that they're able to lead to. And then, you know, that fosters that type of environment. Eh? As a USA fan, obviously that, that painful loss in the repechage, mm. it was, you know, it was so bad, but I think Mitch Wilson leveled up big time during that series. I feel like he came back this year, with a whole new at a, at a whole new level. Do you, did you see a difference in Mitch this year? Yeah, man. I, look, I, I just think Mitch just keeps growing in confidence and keeps keeps growing in um, stature, and, and he will continue to grow and he continue to improve because he is so dedicated to what he does, and he's and he, and he's and he's uh, he's a good man. So he just keeps working hard. He's mm -hmm. he's a great team man. So that's just going to continue to happen. Um, you know what I mean? He's just got a growth mindset. Uh, so I, I can't see that changing. Eh? Is that your favorite thing about being a coach? Seeing those little moments and those little moments of growth in your players? Yeah, definitely, man. I, like, I, I really enjoy it when, when guys go on to achieve greater honors and, and things, you know, to, and to know you've had a part in that and you, you've, you've helped these guys recognize something, you know, you know, whether it's love, whether it's tough love or whether it's, you know what I mean? Whatever you've done, there's certain things that, the jolt and, and and help guys, whether it's just creating a team environment where guys feel comfortable and now they can perform or, or an environment where they feel challenged or, or that they have competition for spacing spaces that they've pushed, whatever it is, like, you know, to, to, to have a role in that um, growth is fantastic. I think also like, which is, you know, which we often forget too, I, I think I probably take just as much um, you know, just as just as much uh, reward, I think, when you know, we have we got Paula, who got his wife and his and his and his 
this child archer archer now and to see that flourish and you know him being a good good husband and good dad and you know being able to to, to manage that and you know also to, to have an environment that supports that and and you know wants guys to be good husbands and wants guys to be good fathers and being able to have those foster that in in, in a way and create a more family you know it's been a big thing of ours this year to to really involve family more and create more family opportunities and 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 just really make those those significant others uh feel a part of this family and i think we're getting there i don't think we're there yet but it's definitely something that we want to to grow and i think that that's great when a guy becomes a good husband good it, i think that's so, the, the way you want the world going eh? it's so gratifying to hear you say that because as just a fan sitting in the seats every single week I noticed a big difference in Paula Bellicana this year. I had no idea that there was, you know, his family was coming here. Like that's a, that's a great thing because you can literally see it on the field, even from somebody like my perspective. That's pretty great. No, he's, he's been fantastic as any, um, he just goes from strength to strength too. You know, he's a, again, just improving all the time and he's, and he's great to watch, isn't he? Oh yes. So, I also had asked you about key moments that you had as a player where like a coach might have really inspired you in some way. And one of the examples you used, I think it was, you were talking about the, it's the Natal Sharks against Free State. And the way you described it, you know, all the players were stretching out on the field before the match. The coach went around and gave everyone very specific instructions. You need to do this. You need to do that. But when he got to you, he said, you'll be fine. And then he walked away. So I, I have to wonder, have you had a chance to sort of, I don't know, pass that on to a player here? I, I know it was an important moment for you. Is that something that you want to sort of, I guess, pay forward is the phrase? I think I'm just very aware of um, what I say to players uh, before a game. It, that That's always stuck with me about what I say, you know. Um, there's no, Also, you know, the closer you get to games, it's it's really different how you how you behave at the beginning of a week as a coach mm. to the end of the week um you know beginning of the week a lot of it's about reviewing content on, on this this is where we need to, this is what you need to work on this is where you need to, to improve this is what you did well you know what i mean and, and just being really um dialed in on that and as you move to the game like what do you think we need to do better okay again training sessions where you know, early in the week, you, there's a lot more uh, introspection and uh, and you know being able to chat to players about what needs to to be done better or what needs to be that's done well, well done for that, good stuff. Let's see if we can tweak that, whatever it is. But towards the end of the week, it's all about um, making sure that they're feeling comfortable and that they understand they've had a great training week because we tend to put that together as a team, like we work hard. So it's just about saying, man you've trained well this week, you know, the things are going well. And so, so when I get to match day, I'm just like, enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Yes. Make awesome. Enjoy when you come up the bends, have a good, like hurt some people out there, man, knock, you know, get, get stuck in, you know, you know, you know what I mean? So I just keep it really short and, and really like, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing left to be said. There's no like long chats that need to be had. It's, it's we've done all the work, man. Now you get, now you get a chance to just go and, Seek well, the opportunity. 
Yeah. When we're there in person at Fort Quincy, I, I've talked to Phil on the Jacks Rangers about this too. You look more like a security guard on the field than the head coach. You're kind of just standing there and like, you're not really talking to anyone. You just kind of look calm and, calm and cool and you just got the sunglasses and just kind of, <laughs> it always looks like you're waiting to bounce somebody from the pitch. <laughs> no, nah, man, I, I think I'm just uh, internalizing. Oh my, I'm just trying to remain remain calm while everything else is in, in turmoil inside me. So I got just it's a good time <laughs> just to to just de uh, kind of just take it all in. I just enjoy match day and I enjoy that part of match day. And I just I, I think what I like to do is just make sure that I'm taking a a more wider angle view of things. You know, I think the same thing happens towards the end of the training week. You know, I step away from a lot of the the detailed uh, coaching so that I can see, you know, perhaps pick up uh, key keys and things and players or that guy might be, might be something wrong there or, you know, is he okay? Or how's he feeling? What's his confidence like that type of stuff? Whereas, uh, which is a, a lot wide angle, more wide angle lens. And sometimes when you're in the mix midst of coaching, you kind of miss those, those, those cues. Um, so that kind of do that towards the end of the week, and then I can get a good feel for, you know, what am I saying to the players on match day? How are we communicating? Um, yeah. Coach, thank you again so much for your time and insights. Can I finish this out here with just a some quick stuff about our beloved Free Jacks this year? Mm, awesome. That's great, so man. Right now we're sitting at nine and two. We're on top of the East. The only team with a better record is San Diego, who represent one of our two losses as we went out there very, very early in the season. Is this about where you figured where we'd be at this stage? Like, how does that record, how does that nine and two mark match up with your preseason expectations? Um, difficult, man. Like, I, as I say, like, I've never... Do you map never, out wins and losses in the preseason? Do you talk to the coaching staff and say, we're going to win this, we're, we, we're going to struggle with this one, or is it just, we just need to concentrate? No, man, we don't do that. We might, we might have a bit of a yawn if we, if we just like, oh, geez, maybe this, and we've, you know, we, you, you, but I don't like that, you know. I think we do it maybe over a beer or two, or two but it's, it's never something that we, we, we're too intent on because it's, it's not something that we believe in, you know. Mm. It doesn't matter, you know, where we at in the, in, in the table in terms of, you know, you always want to treat that next game as the most important game. And I mean, we had this conversation last week with the guys saying, you know, this week is the most important game you'll ever play. And you know, I remember Neil Beck telling us that at, at Leeds and I was always intrigued by it. And I was like, Oh, really? Like this game. And, and he was like, yeah, because this is your next game. And that stuck with me, you know, it is the most important game because you don't know what's going to happen. And so, and how can you treat the game in three weeks time more important than the game now? Because that's just, that's just crazy. I mean, this is the game that counts. This is the last game until the next game, you know? So, yeah, I, I think that's how we treat things. And we, we kind of don't really look at that stuff. We don't, you know, it's nice to mm. you see it then, but you, you know, leave that to just... me and Phil for podcasts to be like, well, we're going to go to San Diego and lose, but then we're going to beat Nola. And you get and you get you take it off the prize, you know. When you start looking at, oh, we we nine and two, and if we win this game and this game, then you, you know. But then you're not thinking about the game that's coming. You you're starting to to, to track ahead, and then that mm. can make you complacent, or and that that rubs off on the players, and the players start thinking like that. So, 
I just try not to keep that, keep that in, keep that in check. Uh. After that record win in Toronto, did you worry about that? Were you, did you think anyone's going to get sort of too big for their britches? People were going to think, oh, well, we got this whole thing covered. We, we're just going to smash everybody. Was that a concern? No. Did you have to talk people down after that? I worry about that every week. We can, we can. <laughs> that's what I said to you. Like I'm highly sensitive to complacency, so I worry about that every single week. We don't need to be winning 85 for me to be worried about that. So um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, you know, but I think we got a we got a good staff with a finger on the pulse. We got a good leadership team that that are aware of that stuff too, and and we we try and make sure that we arrest any situation like that. We'll if we see these things like that, I'm done on day two and day three as we go into the week you know well we we do play them again are you already thinking about the speech you're preparing for like because toronto is going to be mad they're going to be really angry coming into that that match oh man i i guess so man you know but that's the thing with the emotion side you know can you know what where are we at you know if we've if our emotions are on check and and we're clinical and you know then things work out for us. So as long as we can manage that, you know, and again, I can't speak for them, but you know, if the emotions are too high, you, you know, that's, that's the thing, but that's each week it changes, you know, each week you, you're, you, you kind of affected by the weekend that you performed and that has an influence on how you prep the team for the following week. Um, mentally, I guess. So yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Eh? So apart from San Diego and Utah, our other loss, who are some teams that represent, you know, in your mind, our biggest challenges this year? Look, I think, yeah, so I think the, there's some really, and Seattle's been doing a great job, haven't they? I mean, we get to yeah. play them pretty soon. Um, they've got a great program up there. I think Houston, um, another side that are, are really physical. It's going to be a tough way to end things. the year. Oh, man, yeah, of course. It's two really good sides there. Uh, and like, and I, like I must say, like DC this week, like dangerous side, man. They 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 present a lot of problems, man. They 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 score a lot of tries. Um, it's just a you know every one of these teams have have got something that that that's 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 there to scare you. You know what I mean? Like we, we, you look at Atlanta and their physicality, and you look at New York and their danger on ball. So it's just really really tough to single single someone out i mean i know san diego have definitely are front runners you know we've seen their quality and their quality and depth i think it's really important i think those are probably the teams that that you need to be most wary of is the teams that mm. have quality and depth like your san diego's like your seattle's because they can they can go the distance i guess with that you know well i'm down to my final three here um what is something that we haven't done as well as you had hoped we would have done this year, or maybe that you would expected we would have done this year. If you could have a do-over for anything this year, what would it be? In terms of on-field stuff? Yeah, exactly. Um, Game day performance. I, 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 would, I would say we haven't done yet. Um because I, I genuinely believe it's a, it's going to happen, um, and I, I guess that's just just with the mall tries. Mm. Uh, I think we've we've been a couple short on that, but uh, I think each team goes through a different process in terms of finding their their strength there, and I, I think we we're in a good space now, and I think we that's that's about to turn. Um, 
So yeah, that's probably something that, uh, but I, I don't think the process would have changed, man. I, I think it's there for a reason and you need to go through it to, to kind of get to the point where, where you need to be now, you know? So I think we've, we, we've been really diligent and, I know Will has, I know, and it goes for, for all our aspects of our game, you know, whether it's attack or whatever, you, you go through certain things. And as coaches, you've got to learn those things or you go through those, those, and players have got to adapt and players figure out things. Oh, shit, that works for us. And and slowly you get to figure out that works best for us. And because it's not the same, it's never the same thing that's that, that you can attribute to each team or each each pack or each backline that you coach. So, I guess that's probably an area uh, I'm, I'm quite ex excited to see develop as we go on this compo. So the opposite side of that coin, obviously, is what is something this year that's gone better than you had, you know, forecasted or expected to see? Oh man, I, I think on that note, the scrum. Like, mm. Is that? I, I mean, that... Vion has been incredible this year. I think he's garnering MVP votes for the league. I would think right now, is he a, a big driver for that? Um, I wouldn't say uh, Vian is, is the recipient of a great scrum. He does okay. he does some work. He he works off the back of it. I mean, there's no doubt what you're saying. Vian Conradi has been an unbelievable player. I mean, we have our our MVP awards that we give every week, um, and he has got, and they get the guys get a jacket, the jacket that they wear, and they get in like um, the for the week, and the players have. Kind of got to calling it his jacket at the moment so um <laughs> but he really he, i think as far as the scrums goes he's he's a recipient okay of the hard work that goes on in front our of our front row has been amazing yeah and and i think just things like you know cole keith we recruited as a lucid we knew he was a tight he had played tighter and he but after a couple of, of weeks in preseason, you know and going into the season he was conversations with him he really wanted to get back to tighter because he felt he had dominated there and he wanted to get to get there and just through hooker by crook we were able to to get him a game there and and we were like wow okay hang on this is this is this is a serious serious player in this position mm. he's just taken off there you know and uh eagle just continues to get str he's strong strong guy eagle and he, he continues to, to nail down some starting starting roles there and his development has, has been great and then the, you, you, I remember you had the, the first additions of guys the... like Andrew Quatron too, you know. Oh my God, he's make a massive, so massive role there. Yeah, and an incredibly funny guy too. I remember the day that Kyle got his first start, and he pretty much has just he grabbed it and was like, "No, no, no, this is mine now." He he's been holding onto it, like with a death grip yeah. since then. And I think the scrum has got a large has played a large role in his his, his ability to to be able to hold on to that. You know, he's got a lot to his game, but there's there's a big there's a big strength there for him, you know, and then I think we start to see just the impact of, 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 you know, locks and what they do in the scrum, you know, they will have an impact to play, but I think they're just, they're just really going, going well now, you know, there's been a, there's been some good learnings there and, and growth as well. So final question for you. If I was in a team meeting with you and all the boys and you were mapping out your keys to finishing out this season the way we all know we want it to go, what would you be telling us right now? I think that the importance is, is just really being consistent in our values and in our, in our, in our habits. 
that's the, that's what it is you know if, if you can if you can ma maintain your consistency and your 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 outputs and your work ethic we call them habit efforts if we can have consistent high quality habit efforts in our trainings um and and we we consistently uh showing those values that we that we speak of you know we're not dropping standards there and we're not getting complacent in standards there then yeah, then again you we just keep going you know it's nothing changes there so i think that that's really important uh for us and i felt last year i think sometimes we probably had too many inconsistencies in in those in those efforts and standards um mm. throughout the week throughout the weeks um yeah so i think that, that that's a, that's a key one for me are consistency and character sort of tied together do you think those concepts are just you know irrevocably connected to each other i think they i think they potentially yeah i think if you the stronger your character is the the more likely are you are to be you are to be mm. consistent in, in what you do um yeah and guys are at different places like i guess but you know that's that's the standard you know then that's what we have a leadership team for because they epitomize that those standards and then that, that type of character that we want so you know, it's just about pulling, making sure that the rest of the boys are inspired by that and, and are striving for those standards too, you know. So before the season started, I got to talk with uh, Mitch Jacobson a little bit. And of course, he did the Kiwi thing and was like, yeah, you know, I, I hope maybe I'll be able to work my way into the 23, you know, at some point. And then the eternal captain goes down. Josh Larson's out. He's been captain pretty much ever since and he's been doing a, a great job is that is that a surprise for you or is that like a yeah this is what i expected yeah no, i'm not surprised um we, we we recruited him for that for that specific reason you know we knew he was he was a, an excellent leader and um, he's an excellent player but uh you know we were really wanting to get more more leadership quality into our team um so his his addition uh uh, I, I think I suppose I'm surprised at how good a leader he is. Mm. I knew I knew he was a good leader, but he's a lot he's a lot better leader than I could ever have, have imagined. He's 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 a hell of a hell of a hell of a driving force in, in what we do, and he's been great, man. Those are big shoes to fill, Coach. This has been fantastic. Thank you again for joining us here on the Scrum of the Earth. You're a gentleman and a class act all the way. I did almost forget when you were on last time. It's, it seems impossible, but it was basically the beginning of the South African teams joining the URC. Since then, we've had the Stormers winning that championship. And in two weeks from now, they'll be hosting a final in Cape Town. I, I, I think it's been going pretty well, right? See, man, and like with Munster doing the, the Stormers a favor last week, uh, yeah, they get another another home semi, uh, another home final. Eh? So, Dobber, Dobber and them are obviously very ecstatic for the, the, the videos we saw all shows that. I was going to say, did you see the video, the, the celebration video in Stormers? I did see that, yeah. So, it, if you were the Munster guys... coach right now, how, how are you using that as a motivation tool? Because oh, the Irish podcast <laughs> I listen to are outraged. Oh man, I guess you could you could probably throw it at the players and and say have a look at this. But I mean, how you, how do you expect the guys to react? I mean, they don't have to travel ten hours all the way to Ireland to play against you know. Exactly. I mean, cheers, yeah. 
Plus, the, the guy talking the most was Dwebe. I, I love him, and that's his character all the way. Like he, he loves, he loves being the voice. I'm also pretty sure he's, he, he was a couple be, uh, beers deep after uh, during that. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> it's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who do you have in that final? Mm. I don't think the Stormers have beaten Munster yet. Uh, they just lost um, them, and I don't know. Something's mm. wrong with the Stormers this year. I think they're a little off. Oof, I don't, know. I don't know. They're playing. I don't know. They're playing some really great rugby. Um, I just know that the, I don't. I, I could be mistaken, yeah, but I don't know if they've beaten Munster. Um, but I, I, yeah, man, I'm not gonna change. Like, let's oh, go with my heart. Eh? <laughs> so hopefully, Stormers win that. Eh? If if South African teams get introduced to this competition and then win the first two championships in a row. What does that do to this league? Are they going to be like, you know what? We've changed our minds. You guys can't play. No, I don't think so. I think it's been great <laughs> for the league. I think everyone's just talking about it. I mean, look at the the crowds that they're getting and adds a different yeah. flavor. I know people are, uh, some people are upset and stuff, but I think it's, I think it's ridiculous. Man. It just adds, I think it's great. It's been such value. a good yeah. competition this year. And tickets in uh, for the DHL stadium start at around three bucks. I don't know if you saw that. You can get a ticket yeah. for something like three fifty. Costs you about a thousand pound to get there, but to get after there. that's your right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's a big place to fill too. It's a gorgeous place, yeah, but you gotta exactly. you gotta put serious butts in those seats. Yeah. Okay, exactly. I'll let you go this time for real. I will see you on Sunday back at Fort Quincy. It should be a great day for some rugby. Thank you again so much for joining us here. Cheers, my friend, and be well. Thanks, Dave, man. Appreciate it. Great to be on you.